Morning, everyone. Thanks for that beautiful welcome. So, I want to start with a question for you. Have you ever thought about what you would do if you won the lottery jackpot? <laughs> okay, so Adele would give all of her winnings to Hope Into Action. If anyone else wants to do that, that's, uh, that's great. You, like, there are loads of different things you might do. You might, I don't know, pay off your mortgage. You might go on a round-the-world cruise. I don't know. The possibilities are endless, literally. But I think for a lot of us, probably maybe for all of us, I am willing to bet that the, a significant part of what you would want to do is give away some of what you've won to people and causes that you care about, like Hope Into Action. And I think that, that just goes to show, doesn't it? Like Generosity is something we all really care about. It's something we all aspire to. That We all really, we all really want to be generous people. But is that like winning the lottery mindset really the best way to think about it? I mean, is generosity something that really rich people get to kind of do to the rest of us? And is it just about like multimillionaires spreading their money around a bit? So just to recap where we are in our kind of life as a church at the moment, we're in the middle of a, a series looking at our vision and values. If you you can cast your mind back a few weeks. We heard from David about our wider bridge vision, about lightweight structures that's going to enable us to spread the gospel really effectively and to be the church. Um, the videos are all online, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and watch them. Definitely worthwhile. But we've also heard about our St. John's specific vision about being blessed to be a blessing. And so now we're in a series where we're going to unpack that idea of being blessed to be a blessing a bit more. What does it actually mean for each one of us to be blessed to be a blessing? So last week we heard about being blessed to be a blessing in our relationships through the story of David and Jonathan. This week, I want to talk to us a bit about what it means for God to bless us in all areas of our life and how we can use that to bless other people. So we're going to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which is a part of that that book where Paul, the apostle, sets out a vision of what it means to live a generous and blessing and blessed life. But before we actually read it, I just want to give you a little kind of bit of context so that we know what we're talking about. So in this part of the letter, Paul is talking about a financial gift that he wants to collect to give to the church in Jerusalem. Now, the church in Jerusalem were really struggling financially and in all kinds of ways. They were suffering persecution and they were, yeah, they were basically in a lot of trouble. And that really broke Paul's heart and he wanted to support them. And so he went around all the churches that he had founded around the Roman world asking for money to take to them. This was something he really, really cared about and you see it cropping up in all of his letters. Um, and in this, part, we, uh, in this part of the letter, we learn that he has already asked the church in Corinth for some money, and they 
were really excited to get involved. They said they were going to give in a really generous way. And actually, their offer of generosity inspired loads of other people to be generous as well. But now it's coming to the time where Paul is about to go and collect the money, and it seems like maybe there's a bit of a a doubt about whether they are actually going to follow through. It seems like maybe the Corinthian church was struggling with kind of this gap between, on the one hand, wanting to be really generous, but on the other hand, you know, life, life has its difficulties and struggles. And they can get in the way of our ability to be generous. So that's the situation that Paul's writing into. To the church that he really loves, who want to be generous, but maybe they're finding it a bit difficult. So let's have a look. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting at verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So being generous is something that we get to choose to do. But it's also clear that Paul sees it as kind of the obvious, logical, sensible choice. It's not about a one-size-fits-all policy, and it's not about a set of rules that we have to follow. It's about the joyful overflow of God's generosity to us. Because as much as God loves a cheerful giver, the passage also makes it abundantly clear God is the cheerful giver. He absolutely loves to bless us, And he wants to bless each one of us personally, supplying what we need. And not just what we need either. He wants to give us more than what we need so that we have enough to bless other people. Part of of the reason why God blesses us is so that we have stuff that we can give away. And this is because God actually made us to be in relationship with one another. We're not designed to be standalone autonomous units. We're made to be part of a family, God's family. And our eternal purpose is to be the stewards of the stuff he has given us and share it with our family. We can see this in the very first pages of the Bible when God creates the world and creates the first human to live in that world. He blesses him abundantly. He gives him every good thing. But he also says that it is not good for him to be on his own. I think there's a couple of reasons for this. Adam needs 
that other person to do the things that he can't do, to supply where he has a lack. But he also needs someone to share the abundant blessing that he's been given with. Community is the place where we both give and receive blessing. He's made us to be parts of a body, each of us different. As we say in the, in the communion liturgy, we're each made wonderfully different. But we come together and we can receive from one another the things that we can't provide for ourselves. So we shouldn't expect to receive the fullness of what God wants to give us without experiencing it through our community. And all of this stuff that Paul's writing comes in the context of a financial gift. But actually, it's clear from what he writes that he's thinking about way more than just money. He's thinking about every aspect of life. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I think we know intuitively, don't we? We all know that God has blessed us with loads of stuff more than money. We can all think of loads of examples of the different things that God has blessed us with in our lives. And actually, taking the time to think all of that stuff through is a really good habit to get into. You might want to put a practice in place of round the dinner table, just going around and saying the things that you're thankful for, that God has blessed you with that day or that week. So the principles of generosity and of blessing apply to all areas of our lives, not just to money. And it can actually be really helpful to think through what are the different ways that God blesses us And how can we use each of those things to be a blessing in the world? So, I'm going to share a tool um, that I think is really helpful for us to think about the different kinds of blessing that God gives us. And this is something that you can use in your life to kind of analyse the ways that God has blessed you and just, yeah, be more effective at being generous. So it's kind of based on the idea that we get from economics of um, capital. And this word originally kind of just met, was referring to financial capital. The amount of money or property or ability to invest that a person or a company has. But over, over time, economists have generalized this idea to think about all kinds of different things that people or companies might want to put value on or find to be worthwhile. So it's become normal to talk about things like human capital or social capital or even brand capital. These are all things that that we hear about. And it's this idea that there's more that we value that we think is important than just money. And in a similar way, we can actually identify a range of different capitals or valuable gifts that God blesses us with. And we can think of them in five different categories, which we can see up here. So the five capitals I want to talk to you about are financial, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual capitals. So I'll just explain to you what I'm talking about by each of these different things to begin with. So first of all, we've got financial capital. This is probably the easiest to understand. It's the one that we intuitively understand it's the amount of money and possessions we have 
And I think the reason that we find it so easy to get our heads around is because it's actually really easy to, to measure, to count how much of it you've got. You just have to look at your bank balance or look at the actual stuff around you. It's very tangible. And it's also, it's the kind of capital that the world values really highly in general. A lot of people and a lot of leaders and governments around the world put the financial wealth of them and their nations as the most important thing that they can care for. And we can be tempted to value money as the most important thing in life. Put it put the pursuit of money above everything else. But also, we can actually go into the direct opposite error if we reject that one and think that um, because the world values money far too much, we should disregard it entirely. It's this, um, this idea of kind of equal and opposite errors. So sometimes we might think that God is actually opposed to us having financial capital or that we need to give it all away if we want to really be super spiritual. But actually, neither of those attitudes are a very healthy way to think about it. God does want us to have financial blessing, but it's not the only kind of blessing he wants us to have, and it's not the primary kind of blessing he wants us to have. So, I mean, you can probably all think of loads of examples of financial blessing, but in my life recently, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, on a Sunday, I came up and shared this story about my neighbor who wanted to go halves on a skip. And that's actually like quite a good example of me being able to bless my neighbor with some financial capital. Because, you know, if, I, if we hadn't let him use our skip, he'd have had to pay like, hundreds of pounds to hire one himself. So yeah, that's financial capital. Next up, we've got intellectual capital. What I'm talking about here is the blessings of the mind. This is things like our skills, our talents, our knowledge, and creativity, those kind of things that God has given us. Now, this is, I'm going to tell you something that's true about all the capitals, but I think it's, it's easy to see it in terms of intellectual capital. But they often require investment over the long term to see a real fruit in them. And I think we, we can understand that with intellectual capital. You need to invest in your skills, in your talents. Like, you don't just wake up one day, decide, I want to be a doctor, and then, then you're a doctor. That's definitely not how it works. And if there are any doctors here who think that, I'm sorry <laughs> to burst your bubble. But you, know, you have to go through years and years of education, of theoretical learning, of practical training, of gaining experience before you can exercise that skill and that gift of being a doctor. And in our church, we are blessed by one another with the skills that people have. So like this morning, we were amazingly blessed by the, the worship band, and they have invested years' worth of learning those musical skills, and we all benefit from that. Then we have physical capital. Here we're talking about our physical capability to get things done. So this is things like our health, our physical fitness, our energy levels, but also the amount of time that we have to dedicate to things. Now, you might think we all have the same amount of time. There's 24 hours in a day. But actually, 
some of us have more or less control than others over the time that we have. If you've got to work like 12 hours a day every day, then that severely limits the amount of time that you have to bless other people. And our levels of time management ability, I guess you could think of that as an intellectual capital that unlocks some physical capital. So, yeah. Examples of ways that you might receive or give physical capital are good friend Cliff a few, few years ago, just after he'd retired, so he was flush with time, um, <laughs> offered to come round and wallpaper our entire living room and dining room, which was a massive blessing to us, so thanks, Cliff. I think he then decided that that wasn't something that he wanted to dedicate his life to, so probably <laughs> it would be a blessing to Cliff if you didn't ask him to do that for you. <laughs> um, but it really blessed us. Um, or you could you know, go and do some babysitting for some friends or something like that. Or even going around and doing, doing some chores for, uh, for an elderly neighbour. Then there's relational capital. This is the value in our relationships with other people. And this is, like, you know, having a, a network of relationships. It's not only, I mean, it is really important for our general well-being, but also having a network of family and friends enables us to you know, survive situations that otherwise might wipe us out. And there's always also the, the fact that if you know the right person, you can unlock possibilities that you might not otherwise have been able to. But in all this, it's important to say as well that it's not just about who you know, but it's about the quality of the relationships that you have. And... Yeah, it, you can invest in your relational capital over time, building up really deep, strong relationships which are worth much more than just casual acquaintances. So I think about examples where people in the church have invested in me and built up deep friendships over many years. People who've mentored me or encouraged me or spurred me on to try new things. There's things like the support that we get from, um, from our parents. So Michelle and I, we were supposed to be next weekend going down to look after Michelle's grandpa. But actually, this week, I'm traveling with work. I'm flying out to Japan tomorrow, coming back in again on Friday. And so there was, it was going to be this ridiculous situation where I was going to be on like a 14-hour flight, landing on Saturday morning at 7 a.m., and then driving all the way down to Dorset straight away, which felt pretty horrible, to be honest, the possibility that I would have to do that. But because we've got that really strong relationship and support from Michelle's parents, they said, you know what, we'll step in, we'll cover you this weekend. And that has been a real blessing to me. And finally, there's spiritual capital. This is the kind of blessing that we get through our relationship with God himself. It's things like spiritual gifts, things like our ability to hear God's voice, things like power for miracles, and things like the wisdom that God gives us on how to live. This 
is maybe the hardest one for the world to wrap its head around. The world probably doesn't value this capital very highly. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Spiritual capital is the most valuable kind of capital there is. So we should seek it above all other kinds. And actually, we should be aware that it's the most effective tool we have to bless other people. If you can use your relationship with God to unlock blessing for someone else, it's going to have a massively bigger effect than anything else you can do. So those are the five. Financial, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual. This is a framework we can apply in loads of different ways. We can look at these five areas and see how God is blessing us in our own lives, how how the people around us are sharing God's blessing with us. But we can also look in the Bible and see through history the story of how God has been blessing his people right from the beginning in each of these areas. So I want to just do a quick example of this, show you a story from the Bible and how we can view it through the lens of looking at it with the different capitals. And I thought, I was thinking about what story to pick, and I thought, why not just go for our our current favorite Bible story, The Widow and Her Jar of Oil. And I looked at it, and it's actually a really good example of a, a place where you can see all the five capitals interacting, and you can see people's attitudes to them and the way God uses them. So this is our story. It's from 2 Kings chapter 4. You got the words? Yes, there we go. So just to remind you of the story, if you, if you listen to David's talk, you'll already know it, obviously. But one day, the widow of a member of a group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So if you look at this story through the lens of those five capitals we can see all sorts of things. The widow has a critical lack of financial capital and she needs some provision in this area really quickly. In fact, her lack of physical capital is putting... Sorry, her lack of financial capital is putting the physical capital of her sons under the threat of enslavement. But she is able to call on her relational capital... And this, this we see through her relationship first with Elisha and then with the friends who provide containers. 
Elisha uses his spiritual capital, his gift of prophecy, to understand how God wants to act in the situation, which unlocks the miraculous provision. And that miraculous provision comes in the form of multiplication of the tiny amount of financial capital she does have. God takes as a seed the, physical, the, the financial capital that the widow has and grows it into abundance. But then, there's also the intriguing question that David asked us about what else they might have done to find more containers for the oil. You know, could they have poured it down the well? Could they have blocked up the doors and windows of their house and filled their entire house with oil? Which, I mean, sounds not that pleasant, to be honest. (laughs) When you think about it. (laughs) I've got a house full of oil. Anyone want it? (laughs) I'm not sure I'd buy, like, oil that's been filled a person's house. Anyway, that's not really the point. The point is... (laughs) Maybe... What that's saying is that the limit on their financial blessing wasn't what God wanted to do, but it was their own intellectual capital, their ability to come up with ideas for how to store the blessing. So we can see each of the five capitals interacting in the story, and we can see God blessing people through them in this story. And you can, you can look at any story in the Bible, basically, through this lens. But not only that, we can look at our own lives and see how God is blessing us in the same way. And God wants to bless us abundantly in each of these five areas. Financial, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual. There's an invitation to trust him, that he is good, that he knows what we need, and that he plans to bless us. So practically... It is good to know how we're blessed in each of these areas, like to take stock of where we are. God's blessed each of us differently. We are all individuals. And we'll all be maybe richer or poorer in some areas than others. And it can be really helpful to do a kind of personal audit of what your situation of blessing is. So I haven't brought one up with me, but there's... um, some lovely worksheets that I've created for you. Hope you'll enjoy worksheets. Um, so that's just a tool that you might want to use to take home and think about how God has blessed you and how you can use that to bless other people. So, yeah. If, uh, if there's anyone who hasn't got a sheet and would like one, come and talk to me afterwards. I'll print you up <laughs> another one. Um, but you might want to use this on your own or you could use it in your twos and threes or in your missional communities, because, as I said earlier, we're not blessed purely for ourselves. We're blessed so that we have enough to share, and we receive our blessing through our communities. So the point is not comparing ourselves with each other and saying, ooh, he's got better relationship capital than me. (laughs) I don't know who I'm looking at, but it's a very tall person, obviously. Um... But yeah, God has made us all unique and we all have something that we can give that will bless someone else no matter how small our blessing feels. You might not feel very blessed. It might feel like generosity is really hard 
And it might feel like it's really risky because if I give something away, will I have enough to look after myself? But God is good and he's inviting us to trust him. He is the one who supplies all of our needs. And even if we, only, even if we do only have a small amount, God wants to use it anyway. If you think about that story of the widow, she only had a tiny amount of oil, but God used it to perform an amazing miracle. But not only that, each of her friends and neighbours only had maybe one or two jars. But without the small amount each of them was able to give, there would have been no miracle. God is the one who can multiply what we have and create an impact bigger than we can imagine from our generosity. So there's that invitation to trust him, that he'll provide for us abundantly in all areas of life, financial, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual, to trust that in the kingdom of God, there is more than enough. There's enough to bless us and enough for us to share without the risk of it running out. And it can be really good to, um, to hear from the stories of other people who've learnt about this, to listen to the wisdom of people who are further down the journey. And if this is something that you find difficult, I would really recommend that you check out some material that Vicar David put together last year. So it was on his blog... And I thought, yes, this is great. I can tell people, just go and read David's blog about, ge- about generosity. This morning, he comes in and said, I hear you're wanting to share some stuff on my blog. I've just killed my blog. <laughs> but apparently, I haven't checked this out yet, but it's been rehosted on the church website at westwoodchurch.co.uk slash provision. There's a whole series of posts that David made last year about his journey of trusting in God to provide and in using that to bless other people. It's an amazing story. And I think it could probably do with a bit of updating. It's over a year old. (laughs) Just saying. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but it's because this is something that we, we don't graduate from. We don't stop learning how to be generous because however generous we can be, God is the one who's always pouring out blessing on us. But to receive the fullness of it, we need to trust that he is going to give it to us in a place of community, not giving everything to me downloaded directly as a standalone, autonomous, rugged individual unit, but me as part of the body that is the church, both giving and receiving, building one another up. And that generosity together, when we give, not as individuals, but as a community, we can pour out our blessing to the world in ways that are better than any of us could do on our own. I mean, we heard about Hope Into Action earlier. And one of the amazing things about Hope Into Action, I think, is that they understand that what people need is not just financial blessing, but actually it's about all of life, about all of these areas. 
So yes, they provide that financial support in, a, in terms of a house, but they also develop strong relationships, and they do it through the context of the church. It's a holistic way of looking at blessing people, and it's really effective. So as we finish, I've just got some questions for us to think about. What, how has God blessed you with each of the five capitals? What would it look like to trust more in God's provision in these areas? And what opportunities do you have to practice some risky generosity? How has God blessed you with each of the five capitals? Financial, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual. What would it look like to trust more in God's provision in these areas? And what opportunities do you have to practice some risky generosity?